host Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 32. We welcome our good friend Mark Hartfield to the pub where he talks about being a man on a mission. Sit back as I pour us a dram. Welcome to another episode of A Dram with Friends. We are extremely excited to have Mark Hartfield join us in the pub today. Welcome, Mark. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Great to be here. Good to see you again. So Mark and I met, uh, well, I guess it's 2019 now uh, at the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance Summit. And uh, although I've been familiar with your work for quite some time through uh, uh, your That, that man, man Is You. you. Right, yeah, right. Core, core team uh, leader. So I think we were in contact quite a bit. But then see meeting you in person in 2019. Yeah. So tell tell the friends in the pub uh, who is Mark Hartfield? Ooh, that's a deep question. Um, you know, I, I liked I like to think along the lines of um, the ways in which Scripture reveals Saint Joseph. Right. He was a he was a just man before God. So I think first and foremost, my ultimate identity is a beloved son. Right, a son of the father, um, and then he was he was spouse of Mary. Um, I'm also spouse of my wife Katie. I think that's my primary vocation. And then he was the father of Jesus, right? And so I have four kids: Maria, Claire, Lucy, and Colby. And so I very much um, embrace that identity as father, to share in that name of of God's fatherhood. Right? What a dignity and what a what a responsibility, but what a joy. And so, uh, all those things, you know, uh, son, wow. son of the father, spouse of Katie, and um, father to my children. That's awesome. I forgot uh, one part of our show is where we we have a dram. So what are you, what are you drinking tonight, <laughs> Papa? Well, I, Sean, I know you're from Canada, and um, on my way home from work today, I was like, man, I don't, I didn't have any any alcohol in the house, so I stopped at Specs. I don't know if you have Specs out there. No. And Specs is a big liquor store in the States, or at least in Texas. So I bought some Crown, um, some Crown Royal Canadian whiskey in honor of uh, you being from Canada. So there we go, Crown Royal. And uh, well, I got it because of Canada, but also because Christ is king. And I wore, a <laughs> I wore a matching T-shirt, see, with my crown right here. It says, praise him. I know they didn't make the whiskey go. for Jesus, uh, but... Christ indeed but is king. We can, that's the whole idea is we can use whatever, wherever we are to bring God into the conversation. Amen. And so I went with some American whiskey and I thought, uh, so this one's called Slaughterhouse because I was thinking, what does Texas and Alberta have in common? Uh, and that's some beef. <laughs> and although Alberta beef, I'm sure, is better than Texas beef, but... Uh, oh, those are fighting words. 
<laughs> well, you have to come north, my son, and and you will have a conversion. So that's awesome. <laughs> but, I, I uh, ate at a steakhouse once in Canada. Uh, we take a group to Montreal to um, St. Joseph's Oratory. I can't remember the name, but there's a famous steakhouse, right, that's uh, all over Canada. You probably know what it is. There's the keg. There's it's the keg. Uh, that's where we went. That's where we went. There you and, go. And I, and I did have I did have a steak there, and it was indeed delicious. And chances are it was probably Alberta beef because uh, we raise a lot of beef out here, and uh, and it's yeah. some of the best in the world. So it was uh, that steakhouse. It's walking distance from Notre Dame, Montreal. Okay. Uh, which is the interior of that church is maybe the most beautiful interior of a church I've ever seen in my life. And that's Rome, Italy, the interior of Notre Dame, Montreal. And they actually do a light show in there. Uh, I, at night. Uh, it's, it's, it's in, out of this world. I was actually there with, uh, Jeff Cavins and Bishop Scott McKaig and, and nice. others. We, we led a, I led a motorcycle ride there, uh, in 2019. And uh, we went and stayed at the oratory, and awesome. I wanted to introduce Jeff to the oratory. So uh, it's it's near and dear to us as well. And uh, we went to the light show, and Did I couldn't you? help nice. but couldn't help but think if because it was sold, they sell out. And right. There's two showings or whatever, and I'm going. Imagine if they did this for the mass where the real light show happens. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The real miracle, right? Yes. Yeah. Transubstantiation. Uh, it's, uh, you're right. It is one of the most beautiful churches. The first time I saw it, we were, it was the great Jubilee year. Felt the call to try and put on a conference at St. Joseph's Oratory. So we tried to put on a family conference, which ended up being five families from Alberta showing up. <laughs> uh, but uh, the local uh, bishop had declared if you visit all four basilicas on the same day, it was a plenary indulgence. So we did all four and it was, they're, they're amazing awesome. churches in Montreal. Amen. Yeah, I mean... Most people may not know it, but it's the largest shrine in the world that's dedicated to St. Joseph. St. Andre Brissett, um, I fell in love with him in, in going there. He's an incredible saint. Um, but you have St. Kateri uh, that's not far, and we went there on our pilgrimage as well. So, Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah. I, I, aspiration is to do it every year once kind of the COVID <laughs> relaxes a bit is – they have uh, their facility there holds 30, it has 30 beds. And so we try to max it out for weekends and have an incredible, you know, that many. Are you talking about the gathering. one at the oratory there? At the, the oratory. St. Yep. St. John, uh, John Third Pavilion. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we stayed as well. And actually, we just uh, hosted Bishop Scott McCaig, Andre Renier, and his wife, and uh, Deacon. David Beaulieu, they went up, even though the shrine was closed, they were able to go up and say the mass for our God Squad conference at the oratory on the Feast of St. Joseph in the year of St. Joseph. So oh. it was quite exciting for us. So 
That's I just awesome. wish I could have been there as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, St. Joseph is keeping us busy too in his year of St. Joseph. I, I, um, this Lent was really unique for me. Um, normally I come up with all these things and this whole list of mortifications and such. And this year, it felt like for the last 12 months we've been in the desert. <laughs> it, it feels like the, we've had at least 12 months of Lent. So I just told God I was going to give him all my time this Lent, and he took me up on it. <laughs> um, and um, giving your time is giving of yourself. And so it was awesome, uh, the, the fruitfulness that got brought forth from it. But yeah, so March 19th in the year of St. Joseph, we did a father-son retreat uh, here in Texas. I, yeah, I heard it about was, that. It was so awesome. And I was just so thankful. And I mean, so the dynamic, right, you have fathers and sons, naturally, and that's what everyone's thinking about. But um, what people may not glimpse is also it's God the Father, and all the men are sons, right? Whether they're the, the older man or the younger son, all of them are sons of the Father. And so in a sense, together they're there as brothers, you know, locking arms and, you know, journeying to heaven together. So it's quite beautiful. And then obviously with Joseph and Jesus, we have the, another father-son combo. So we had all those dynamics, all those spiritual dynamics taking place that weekend. It was, it was incredible. And then on May 1st, Joseph the Worker, we're planning um, an, a, a little mini pilgrimage in Texas. We have something called Mission San Jose, which mm -hmm. is St. Joseph. It's the oldest church in Texas that was named after St. Joseph. It's 300 years old, 1720s. So it's a Franciscan missionary church when the Indians were here. And Spain sent mm -hmm. over Franciscan missionaries. That's why it's called San Antonio, Texas, right? Named after St. Anthony. So you have the six missions that go along this, yep. the river walk. The Alamo is one of them, but then the third one from the Alamo is San Jose. It's awesome. And so we're going to do a mass and rosary and consecration to St. Joseph on his feast day in the year of St. Joseph. That's awesome. In yeah, the month I... of Mary on first Saturday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, try to pile it on, are you? Pile yes, it on. Uh... We, uh, I, I was there in 2010 with my family and we did the Alamo and the river walk and, cool. uh, is it, uh, Concepcion, uh, the, one of them. Yep. You've got the Alamo and then you have mission Concepcion and then yeah. San Jose is the next one. And there's a couple more after we, that. I think we hit the, unfortunately there was one of them we couldn't go into the church because there was a wedding going on at the time and <laughs> they, fr they frown on you break when you yeah when you weddings. yeah there's a movie about that i think i never saw it but at yeah wedding yeah. crashers so, but uh so doing a little research your were you born and raised there in uh, katy texas was it houston i'm from the houston area uh so I wasn't born in Katy per se, but Richmond, Texas, uh, okay. but that's right outside of Houston. And so then went to Texas Tech for two years and then left Texas Tech to go to Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, I had a conversion after high school, uh, between high school and college, grew up Catholic and um, always loved God, but really fell away from my lifestyle didn't reflect that in high school. I was a good kid growing up until then, and then high school, just everything. My lifestyle did not reflect what I was doing on Sundays. And so I had a massive conversion uh, right before I went to college. 
went to tech for a couple years and really actually started getting into like Scott Hahn stuff big time. Like read Rome Sweet Home, a couple other of his books, his tapes, his video cassette tapes. My sophomore year at tech, I did, uh, my Lent was I did 40 Scott Hahn tapes and back then it was audio cassette tapes in 40 for those, days. those kids at home, look up what a cassette tape is, yes. Look up what a cassette tape is and more importantly, look up Scott Hahn. <laughs> and uh, he will he will whip you into shape with the Catholic faith, um, which was beautiful. Um, and so I started romanticizing what Franciscan Stu University of Steubenville would be like because he was a professor there. Um, yeah. And I was like studying theology on my spare time more than I was studying finance, which was my major. Um, and so I transferred to Steubenville, met my wife, came back to Houston. She was a youth minister at St. Cecilia's the same church where Steve Bowman was starting That Man Is You in the same wow. year that he was starting That Man Is You. Um, and so what year, he started... What year was that? 04. 04, okay. 2004. Um, so he was starting it up that year. And um, I had just, I got back from um, college, uh, 04, 05. And uh, it was just incredible work of God's providence. Uh, and he was looking for someone maybe from Franciscan with a theology degree and a business background. I, I ended up double majoring in finance and theology and I was in his backyard. <laughs> I, you know, uh, my wife's the youth minister at the parish and so it was quite amazing and, and God had his hand in it all. Our first seven years of marriage, we would take one car, uh, we had a little condo and you know, and we would drive about five minutes to work, 8.15 mass in the morning every day. Then I would walk to Steve's house. He lives right by the church. She would walk to the youth room. Then I'd walk back over for lunch, have lunch with her. And I'd walk back to Steve's house. I worked in a spare bedroom. And then I'd walk back over and um, do Bible studies at night with the kids. And in the summertime, all the high school kids would show up and we'd play ping pong. <laughs> through my entire lunch break and I'd walk back sweating. They knew when my lunch break was, so it was, it was awesome. They used to think I worked at the church, but I was like, no, I work at Steve's house. <laughs> what do you do over there? Ah, men's program. <laughs> and so awesome. we started uh, with one, just one parish at St. Cecilia's, and so I've gotten to see it grow from one parish to over 700, you know, from 100 men wow. to 100,000. So it's been an incredible, incredible blessing. Um, we're great friends, you know, with Steve and Shelly and the family. And um, it's just been a beautiful blessing in my life. And he has taught me a lot about what it means to be a father and a man of God. And so I, leaving the incredible environment of Steubenville, like um, a lot of people leave and, you know, go back into the world and the world kind of sucks that spiritual life right yeah. out of them. You know, I went and encountered a Steve Bowman character. And uh, he's challenging more than my friends at Steubenville were, <laughs> you know what I mean? And in a, in a holy way and just yeah. um, witnessing the way he lived his life with his family and um, his desire for sanctity. And um, he's practicing what he's preaching. So it's, it's a, a beautiful thing. That's awesome. That is, uh, that's incredible. And it's, it's amazing how God works and, mm. and just puts the pieces together. And he sure does. You talk about listening to scott hahn tapes well that's how god squad basically got started my partner at uh jim am sing at the time was 
he was Dutch reform, but we're working night shift, listening to Scott Hahn tapes, driving a police vehicle <laughs> around and, uh, uh, you know, and, and that, that started a conversion in, mm. in myself and my wife and I, uh, our 10th anniversary, we went, we went away for a weekend and, and listened to Steve Wood, Scott Hahn, Jeff Cavins and awesome. Uh, and then we i ended up meeting steve wood and that's how that all started and uh here we are getting ready for just finished our 24th annual men's conference and awesome uh, praise god it was our 2011 men's conference that uh that man is you was brought up and that's how long i've been doing that man is you or something similar right, right. in our parish. And uh, so it's, it's a wonderful program, highly recommend it to anybody out there, especially the young men. Uh, Amen. Cause that's, that's who we're trying to target is it's one thing to have a gray haired guy like me saying, right. I wish I wish, wish I wish I would have heard this 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so avail yourself our we're hoping once this covid's over that we can reestablish it at, at our parish because our parishes have been shut down for that kind of ministry they're they're yep. allowing masses at 15 percent right now in our province and uh, a lot of the other provinces have been shut down completely the churches so it's right. it, it's a tough time to to reach men but it's a tough time. There's a lot of hope too. I, I'm starting to see that things turn a lot. Obviously, we're with us being in 700 parishes. We hear a lot of the stories, and we know Canada's going through that third wave or whatever, and it's really rough. Uh, it seems to be getting a little bit better in the states. And you know, for about a year, I never had a, a parish visit uh, and saw that man as you live. I was doing I'm doing Zoom calls all the time, meeting with parishes, etc. And in the last month, I went to Tampa. I have a good friend out there who's a core team leader. They have an incredible parish. 80 guys sh showed up in the morning. Awesome. No one's wearing masks. These young men, studs, great, incredible community. And it was in, I was inspired and just hope. Um, I, I think I've maybe forgot how to talk to people in front of a, a stage. <laughs> now, I'm used to talking to my computer screen now. Uh, no, but it was all good. And then just this week, we had the most unique thing that's probably that's ever happened in our history uh that man is you went out of this world and when what? i say that i really mean it we have in friendswood uh there's a, a man named michael hopkins and he's an astronaut and he's literally on the space station and he chose uh he can speak to his family kind of whenever he wants they have a special phone for that but he gets in, in six months he gets six calls where he can do a two-way video conference and he chose to meet with his That Man Is You group in Friendswood, and they wow. invited us out. So we have NASA there. They, have, they, they set up the whole screen. They do the whole thing. And then he's there in his, it's called the ISS, the International Space Station, but he's in his aircraft. Um, and he's showing us his view of the Earth. He's showing us the atmosphere. And we're speaking live, you know? That's so it's a That Man Is You uh, out of this out of this out of this world 
And uh, it was incredible. So it was an incredible blessing just to be there and to be a part of that and still see, you know, the community. And, and, and that was one of his main points, Sean, is he said, you know, we really need to consider what we're talking about when we're talking about, oh, we're going to colonize this or that planet or whatever. He's yeah. like, the thing is, all the things about all the intangibles of the earth, it's all the human interactions. And he's missing those things so greatly right now. Um, and it's he, he, God is found in communion, and God is, and so he's missing his his that man is you group. He's missing his family, he's missing um, just the basic interaction, seeing people smile. He's got about six guys up there he's with, um, but uh, so much is lacking, and he's like, you know, we really have to be concerned about the welfare, the psychological well-being of our astronauts or anyone who comes up here because it's not the same. You know what I mean? He's like, we do have a well, nice view. <laughs> I, and I, I think you're hitting on something here that is is tugging at people's souls with these lockdowns and the masks. Like, Amen. I, I work in a, in a school, and it's hard to connect with the students when you've got your mask on. It's hard to smile through the eyes it it's pot like but you know what i'm saying in that connection and uh i was talking to a leader up here out of regina who talked about a world without hugs and 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 that's got to be so hard on on our kids and our young people is is that disconnect and it's causing us to focus like i purposely say good morning rather than just smile at them and give them a nod now you have to find other ways to love these people hey i'm 100 percent with you and we, we <laughs> there's so much to human interaction and a smile and expression of joy um i think of like i don't know you just see people when they radiate christ think of mother Teresa's of the world you know and she and she's touching people and wounded she's not afraid right and so there's a christian charity that goes forth i personally believe and look i lost my own father-in-law to COVID, so i understand we need to be healthy we need to be safe we need to be prudent in all these ways but i think there's a fundamental difference of what is driving our actions and it seems to me fear has been the driver of our actions rather than eternal perspective as i read through the scriptures it's over and over and over and over. It's very clear that, you know, um, set your mind on the things of above. You know, my kingdom is not of this world. Do not fear the one who can take your soul, or sorry, your body, but fear the one who can destroy the soul. And I think, we, I think we're just a bit mixed up. That I think we've, as a, as a society, very generically speaking here, but as a society, we've taken out the vertical dimension, right? Because we don't talk about God as, as a culture. And we just have a horizontal dimension. And so when that happens, the only thing we turn to is science. That science has become the new, you know, God, if you will. I love science. I think science has a huge role to play. But we cannot take away the fact that we are not, we're not just bodies. We're not just scientific beings of, made up of matter. We are spiritual beings that have bodies. We, we are body-soul composite. And so our decision-making, our prudence, our charity, all these things 
we have to take into consideration the health of the human person, not just from a, do I have a COVID or not, or cold or not, or whatever the disease may be, but I'm so much more than just, am I, do I have a sickness, do I have a bacteria, a virus within me, but I have a soul, it's just a spiritual soul, I need love, I need communion, um, I need to receive that love and reciprocate that love in order to have a healthy, full life, right? So, yes, the body matters. Yes, our health matters. But at the same time, um, our spiritual lives matter so much. So I think we're, we are creating um, a lot of unintended consequences that are going to have long-term effects. And so I hope this can come to an end quickly and we can get back to smiling at each other and sh shaking each other's hands and hugging each other. And um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and so at the time of this recording, it's the Friday before Divine Mercy Sunday. And, uh, and I was, you know, we pray for an end to this. We pray that God's mm -hmm. hand is in this. And we know that we have a mission after this uh, that doesn't end. But, and I was telling some, my wife, Michelle, that, you know, if God, God can do anything, if he put an end and there was not another COVID case after Divine Mercy Sunday, how many people would still not believe in him? Which is yeah. the sad, the sad they'd thing. Find a, but, they'd find a scientific reason why it happened, which would also yeah. be true, but it would be God's hand. <laughs> yeah. It'd be hard to say that it just all ended on this day at the... Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like we're we're I told you before the recording started that we have a positive case in our house and my yep. wife and I are just waiting back for our results from our test and and at the end of the day it's that divine mercy message mm. Jesus I trust in you and Amen. like you talk about the fear and we can't allow that to run our lives and uh, God Squad, we've recorded and put the Divine Mercy Novena and Chaplet up on our website for, for those to join year-round. Mm. So That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was just rereading like Luke 12 recently. It's one of my favorite uh, chapters in the entire New Testament. And, you know, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Um and this is, you know, Solomon and, and, and the grass and the field is, you know, clothed and all these things. And, and yet we have anxiety. All, it, it lists the word anxiety four times. Do not be anxious. You're anxious about this. You're anxious about that. Do not be anxious. Anx anxiety will not add a cubit to your span of life. So then I looked up cubit and I'm like, what's a cubit, right? It's uh, 18, 18 inches. So it's like you can't add a foot and a half to your life. Uh, with your anxiety, you can't add anything. Yeah. And then it says, look, all the nations of the world seek all these things. And then it says, fear not. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And, and, and that to me has been the message that God's been trying to speak to me. And I hope, and I hope I get it. Fear not, Mark. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And like these other promises that maybe I'm hoping for, these earthly promises, you know, maybe, maybe not, right? But God wants to give me the kingdom and, and for me to not fear, to go forth in peace. And so I'm striving to live that, um, to live in freedom, 
and it's a day-by-day -day decision, and, and that's been another big thing for me in the last 12 months. That God is just teaching me so much, and I, I'm walking into it more and more, and I find myself having more and more freedom, and it's just this. It's God doesn't give me grace for next week, and he doesn't give me grace for five years from now, and he doesn't give me grace for 10 years from now. It's not how grace works. He gives me grace for today, for this moment, and what I'm facing this moment. If I have a tragedy that's going to happen five years from now, he's going to give me grace for that tragedy five years from now. And there's no need for me to worry about those things. I, and so every day when I wake up in the morning, before I leave my bed, before I leave my room, besides some other prayers, I just try to tell God I love him um, and, and tell him I trust him and, and that I, I make an act of faith that I know His grace will be sufficient for today. And I don't even know what all the day holds, but I'm going to say yes to everything of today, and I know He has grace for me today. And that's it. Um, and it's just been a game changer for me, just very, very practically. And then anytime I find myself going in anxiety about the future, for whatever it may be, like all our ministries for a while are like up in the air, dangling around, like, I mean... When you have a parish-based men's ministry and all parishes in the country and beyond shut down, <laughs> that's a problem. You know, like, God, what are you going to do? How are we going to do this? Yeah. We're trying to pivot, but we don't know what's going to happen. Do people want to use Zoom? I didn't know Zoom existed, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, but grace for today, one day at a time, um, and being a saint for today. Yeah. That's the other thing, right? I don't know if I can be a saint for 50 years every day. God's not asking me to be. He's saying, Mark, can you be a saint for me today with the things you have in front of you today? And here are your responsibilities today at work, and here are your responsibilities today at home. Um, can you shepherd, you know, these four children and be a good spouse, uh, be faithful to your wife, and, and, and lead your family to holiness, and take care of these things at work, and lead there? Um, okay, God, I can do that today with your grace. I'm imperfect and have all sorts of stuff, but with your grace, I can do that today. And then tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, anyway. Wow. Thank you so uh, much for sharing that. <clears throat> so as a father of four, do you have a, a meal that's your specialty to, for the, <laughs> you prepare for the family or? <laughs> well, we have some little ones also, so we're funny. I'll, I'll try to think of that specifically, but a lot of times we're cooking like multiple meals. <laughs> I guess like this stuff that my wife and I would consider a good meal might be different than macaroni and cheese and hot dogs and pizza. <laughs> yes. Um, we're, but, we're parents of eight, so we're familiar with that. Yes. Yes. We're like, oh my goodness. My wife and I, we, we're blessed that we both have a similar palate. So we like spicy food and we both like, like Mexican food. Tex-Mex. She's from Colorado, so she likes like a, it's different than Tex-Mex like a Colorado Mexican food. And so we're big on that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we like to spice it up. Jalapenos, green chilies. Um, mm. Yeah. That sounds good. But today, yeah, I, tonight I did eat uh, hot dogs with my two, with my wife's out of town right now. So I have the two little ones at home. She's got the two older ones with her. So they wanted hot dogs. So I was like, I'm just going to eat hot dogs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you're feeding eight kids, it, it 
yeah, you tend to just go with the, the crowd or whatever they or get. You, yeah. Or this is what's for supper. If you don't like it, if you don't like it, breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yep. So it's, uh, yeah, we're, it's, it's fun. And, 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 uh, like I remember when my older kids were young, every back when they had Saturday morning cartoons, it was <laughs> dad would get up, make pancakes and we'd watch some Saturday morning cartoons together. And so it, it's, it's great ways to create memories for your kids by whether okay. you're cooking hot dogs over the fire in the back or, right. or what you're doing. Right. So that becomes a big moment for me is Saturday and Sunday mornings. Um, I, I like to try to get up. I get up first in my family every day, but even on the weekends. Um, so do and I. I like to, on those mornings, make a big breakfast. I make egg omelets for everybody. I have my kids a lot of times bring it up to my wife in bed. Um, oh, right on. Yeah, so because we still have the little ones. So we're still getting woken up at night a lot. And I, I would say my wife takes more of the brunt of that. Like I literally don't hear when they are just barely crying. She, she'll hear them five times where I'm like, I didn't hear them at all, you know, last night. <laughs> so I, she can, hears I can relate to that. She hears Although everything. I worked, uh, I worked shift work for the better part of all that. So I was working nights, days, and so Michelle wanted to make sure I was getting the sleep too. To right, sleep. yep. It, yeah, it's, and I'm up early with TMIY stuff many days a week, and so um, my wife does such a great job of getting me through the week with that kind of stuff, and then the weekend comes, and I'm like, honey, you sleep as long as you need to sleep. <laughs> It'll be better for all of us if you're happy tomorrow. <laughs> yes. So one of the segments that I do is, as you know, running That Man Is You, that there's a lot of, especially young men that are struggling with even what is a man so Amen. what advice do you give your 18 year old self wow you know <laughs> i haven't thought of it in that way you know what advice do i give my 18 year old self at the time i was 18 let me think of it i have i have a couple different ways to go with this but when i was when i was 18 and then and all the youth ministry that we do I hadn't made the commitment to give Christ my life yet at 18. And so everything else, it's, it was good. It was good to learn like practical advice. It was good to learn virtues. All that stuff was good. Good to learn hard work. Um, but what I needed when I was 18 was to give my life to the Lord fully and completely, understand his limitless, radical unfailing love for me and realize that he was better than anything and everything else the world had to offer and of course I had to learn that a little bit and then it was also an encounter with God so um, it was a graced moment I don't know if I could have made it happen on my own um, so when especially when I'm doing youth ministry is trying to help these these kids understand, and I, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to relate it back to the crown here, this crown and, and this crown on my shirt, and the crown royal. Um, but St. Paul says, athletes deny themselves all sorts of things. They do so to win a crown of leaves that perishes. But we, an imperishable crown. 
and that verse to me means everything. Um, and, and young people, I think, need to hear it. And the world is teaching them to chase all these other crowns that ultimately are withering. They're all withering. Um, and in St. Paul's day, he, you know, he's talking about sports. The athletes literally, instead of getting a gold medal, they got a crown of leaves. And literally yeah. that crown would wither over time. And so our, we get gold medals now, whatever. But it's not just a sports analogy. It's work. It's, it's business. It's fortune, fame, popularity, money is always fighting for the crown, right? It's competing for God's crown all the time. And St. Paul's saying, if we're willing to give so much of ourselves for these fleeting crowns that are passing away and withering, how much more for the ultimate crown, the crown of glory, the imperishable crown that never withers and never fades, uh, the eternal prize in heaven, right? And so that's why he goes on to say things like, I keep my eyes fixed on the prize, right? And so trying to teach uh, young people that singular principle, that guiding principle of your life that, you know, if you live a life and, and don't make it to heaven, man, I mean, it's a, tra a great tragedy, the greatest tragedy. It would be better that you weren't born, you know? And if yeah. you live a life and and you make it through God's grace and accepting his love and living a life of virtue and all the things, um, what a glory, you know? So it's, it's storing up those treasures in heaven, living for his kingdom. It doesn't mean everybody has to get into ministry, right? You, you can live for his crown wherever you are planted in your life and whatever field you're, you find yourself in um, and wherever you're planted. And I would just say, I, find, I found all my joy in knowing Christ. So again, St. Paul, I consider all things rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And that word he used for rubbish is literally like dung. He almost uses a bad word for it. It's, it's the S word. It's everything else comparing to knowing Jesus Christ is rubbish. And he considers, he says, I consider all things loss. And that was my experience. And I liked my life before finding Christ. Like I thought my life was good. It was, as a young person, sports and, um, you know, had a lot of friends, all the stuff, you know, that the world would tell you was great and good, and you're empty, you know, at the end of the day, even though it was fun and pleasurable and exciting and all these things, it was compared to meeting the infinite maker of my heart who loved me, I once I met Jesus in a new way that was really personal, I felt the nothingness of all the other stuff because he filled me so profoundly more um, than everything else. So once I had that conversion, um, I was just, I wasn't at a conference. I wasn't in prayer or anything. I just had an experience with the Holy Spirit <laughs> at my house, actually taking a shower where and it was just, I, I experienced God's love, great love for me. I fell to my knees and cried and felt, I experienced all my sins, um, but also experienced God's love for me. And that before I went to bed that night, I made a definitive decision to give my life to Jesus. I didn't know what it meant. I had no idea what it meant to give my life to him, but I knew in that moment there was a handful of things I needed to stop doing. And I knew there was a handful of things I needed to start doing. And so that's what I, I always start uh, with young people is, you know, trying to help them to have that encounter, to have that realization 
and then just start from there. What are the handful of things that you need to stop doing? You know, and what are a few things you should start doing? And then let that pathway begin. And I'm still on that journey. You know what I mean? What 21, I 21 years I later. Yeah. yeah, now I see my depravity much more than uh, 21 years ago. And, <laughs> and yeah, it, and like you say, it's a journey. It, I still struggle day by day to fulfill my mission that God's given me and, and the mm. failings that I have in, in completing it. So, and learning to allow God to, to love me. So mm. it's, uh, it's, it's a journey and we're in it together. And that's why we're so thankful to have organizations like yours to, to help men in that walk. So one of the other segments, I, I think you've already answered it at the top of the show is, uh, Jeff Cavins talks about riding with your posse. So your go-to yeah. saints. And, uh, I think uh, you kind of answered, uh, St. Joseph is my guess. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, I, I try to follow the church's pathway with, you know, Mary and Joseph. And after that, I mean, those, those two, it's, that's a daily a daily devotion to Our Lady. I try to pray the rosary every day. But what I've been trying to teach people in this year of St. Joseph, because I believe it to be true, I, I've been saying, you know, what's the most practical thing you can do in the year of St. Joseph? And, and people don't know what to say typically. And I say, pray the rosary. And people are like, what? what? Why is that the most practical thing to do in the year of St. Joseph? And then what you go on to explain, and so now it's a catechesis on both the rosary and St. Joseph. The rosary is called to be a Christocentric prayer, meaning Christ is at the center. We're called to contemplate the face of Christ together with Our Lady. That's the rosary. That every Hail Mary, John Paul II says, he calls it the hinge of the Hail Mary. When you pray that Hail Mary prayer, literally mm -hmm. the middle, the hinge, between the Hail Mary and the Holy Mary is the name of Jesus. He also calls it the center of gravity in the Hail Mary. So when you're praying the Hail Mary, he says oftentimes we pray at like a hurried or rapid pace and we, we don't even know what we're contemplating. We're just saying words and counting to 10, right? <laughs> and then we go to the next one. He says instead we're supposed to be focusing on Jesus and contemplating Jesus together with his mystery, the decade. Um, so that's what the rosary is contemplate, contemplation of with Our Lady in the life of Christ. That's what she did, but it's also... If you would say, who did that more profoundly than anyone else in the course of human history? St. Joseph. The St. Joseph, every day in Nazareth, contemplated the face of Christ very literally with Our Lady. They beheld the face of Christ, and they contemplated Him together. That's what the rosary is called to be. And so, I, in the rosary, I, I very much see it as a Joseph spirituality and asking him to help me um, take Mary into my home. There's two saints that took Mary into their homes, Joseph and St. John. Um, and that's why St. John is so profound too. I mean, he's the contemplative, he's the eagle that soars above. Um, and they took Christ into their home, or Mary into their home and contemplated Christ with her. So those are my favorite two. And then I have a whole host of other ones that I love. I love St. Therese. I love Don Bosco. I love John Paul II um, like crazy. 
Maximilian Colby. Um, I've, so my ki my children are Maria. She's Maria Therese. Uh, this is probably the best way to explain some saints to her. Then I have Claire Philomena, and I've got Lucy Colette, and then I have Colby Joseph. Wow. So if that little that, boy, that, Colby Joseph, doesn't love Mary, I don't know who will. <laughs> there you go. So I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come to the pub and join us for a dram. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the... The origin of whiskey comes from a Gaelic word called Ishkabaha, Ishkabaha, which means water of life. And my prayer is that you continue to lead many souls to the true water of life. Hmm. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. God bless you. Thanks, Sean. God bless your ministry. And uh, God bless everyone watching today. Praise him. Awesome. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of A Dram With Friends. Like and subscribe. Go to all podcast platforms to look for it on podcast or go to godsquad.ca to support our mission.